Welcome to the Random City Podcast. Chester Copperpot! He was a pro! He never made it this far! A competitor. He was very good. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Just listen to the old pork chop express. Take his advice on a dark and stormy night. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. When Godzilla's coming, y'all be tripping. Where did you come from? From your blood. I'm brute. You will be. You underestimate my power. He's gonna be the third scariest thing on that train. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Hello, welcome back to the Random City Podcast. I'm Jimmy in Georgia. It's time to get random. It is September the 21st, 2017, and we're back for episode number 78 of the Random City Podcast, or as I like to abbreviate it, the old RCP. The Orville premiered a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I've mentioned anything about that here on the podcast just yet. I haven't seen the second episode. It's up on Hulu now. I almost watched it yesterday, but I did not. But I really enjoyed the first episode of The Orville. It definitely reminded me of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, It did have some humor. It wasn't as campy or as parody as I thought it might have been, but definitely funny. It was way more serious sci-fi than I thought it was going to be. I think they did a bad job of advertising this up to now. I don't think it's had a very good reception critically. I don't know. I've I've heard some people via Twitter and things that say they liked it as well. But I I think marketing, in lots of ways, influences things for better or for worse. And I feel like in this case, it's for the worse. Because I don't think it was marketed properly. And that definitely can hurt a film or a TV show. I saw on Twitter on the 20th, 1984, so 33 years ago. Who's the Boss premiered on ABC on September 20th, 1984. And I know I normally stick to things that are like in the five category, like five years, 10 years, 15, 20, whatever. Uh, I just thought that was something interesting to bring up. Almost do a uh, this day in history or this day in geekdom kind of thing. I I feel like um, that would be a fun podcast just to talk about. Every, you know, five days a week or even seven days a week, the the fun things that happen on that day in the past. Could be, a, could be a neat concept. I don't know. Obviously, that type of thing is being done in different ways with this day in history type social medias and websites and things. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it if there is a dedicated podcast to something like that. And that could, could definitely be a fun thing to either create and or listen to if it's not been created already. But who's the boss? It was a lot of fun. It was one of my favorite shows growing up. Definitely had a big crush on Alyssa Milano as a little kid. When the show started, I guess I was seven or so. And I'm not exactly sure how much older Alyssa Milano is than I am, but I know she is older than I am. But I definitely remember having some of her posters back in those days in the late 80s on the wall of the old bedroom. Now, on that very same day, September 20th, 1984, again, this isn't anniversaries I normally would talk about, but 1984, September 20th, so yesterday is 33 years ago, The Cosby Show debuted on NBC. Now, those are two huge 80s properties right there. The Cosby Show and and then Who's the Boss? And obviously, the past few years, Bill Cosby's had some legal issues with some pretty horrific things he's been accused of. Uh, but growing up, man, that was that was one of those shows. I love the Cosby Show. I love their family. I love their dynamics, man. Just 
they were they were awesome. Like my favorite episodes to this day. There's two actually that I always go back to. One of them was it was the grandparents, so Cliff's dad and, and mom's anniversary, and they did a lip sync to some song. I honestly don't have a clue what the song was, but the the, the huge part of the song I remember was a lady just kind of screaming, singing, baby, and little Rudy was lip syncing to that, and I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, back in those days, for whatever reason, I thought limp syncing was was very, very fun. And the other one was early on, maybe season one or two. And they did a thing where Theo wanted to live in the real world. So they took all his stuff and acted like they were different characters in the house, like bankers and landlords and the diner workers and all those things. And they, I think they gave him Monopoly money to pay for some stuff and it was just such a cool episode and his friend cockroach was there he pretended to be his agent and lawyer just some really funny funny little bits in there and i definitely have some really fond memories of watching the cosby show back in the day honestly more so than who's the boss now as i was just saying i normally don't do the things that are random years and that was kind of a random year 33 years ago but one thing here that is right on the money for my uh, typical way I do anniversaries and things for the podcast. Yesterday, September 20th, 1987, My Two Dads debuted on NBC. It had uh, three seasons and 60 episodes. Paul Reiser, Greg Avigan, Stacey Keenan. Uh, for whatever reason, that was one of those shows I really dug. I remember Greg Evigan from BJ and the Bear, which I was a big fan of prior to that. And I guess right after this is when Paul Reiser went on to Mad About You, which went on to be a big hit. And Stacey Keenan even went over to ABC for Step by Step. So all three of them went on to continued success. Uh, well, Greg Evigan, not so much continued success, I guess. But there was continued success after that show. You know, I don't know, it was just one of those standard old old plots. It was kind of probably, I'm thinking in my mind at least, the NBC's answer to Three Minute a Baby slash Full House. And... I, I really like my two dads. I, honestly, it's been 26, 7 years since I'd probably seen a full episode. Back in those days when it was on the air, I don't remember a whole lot of things about it. But I know that's the concept that's been in a number of old movies and TV shows. Where there's two men, they don't know who the real father is, and for whatever reason, they just don't find out. And that could have solved the problem. A quick DNA test, and... Somebody's a dad, somebody's not, the end. I remember there was a Robin Williams movie, kind of like that at some point. Father of the Year, I don't, I honestly don't remember the name of that movie. Um, but I remember thinking it was kind of humorous at the time it was released, maybe 10, 15 years back. Alright, well I guess that's going to wrap up our random chatter section for this week. And I guess we'll head over into our random selection for the week. We'll be right back after a short message from some random advertiser that I found from some vintage thing that I like to play. I'll be right back. Superman 2, starring Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeve, will continue in a moment. Tuesday, a trip to the attic brings back the past. Oh, look, here I am at 14. Ooh, ooh. Remember my gawky period too. What a lousy weekend that was. <laughs> Who's the boss? Ben. I say we better an arbitrary. 
Why? Why not? The kids get gambling fever and their parents are looking for a cure. Uh, don't worry, this will work. Two bucks says you're losing. Growing pains. You'll love it. Tuesday. So I saw on Twitter yesterday, on the 20th, that it was the 15th anniversary of Firefly. And I just couldn't believe it. That seems like a crazy amount of time to have passed since that came on. And granted, I wasn't one of those people who watched it when it aired for nine weeks or whatever it was that fall. It probably was a year or two later when it was on DVD. I don't I honestly don't exactly remember specifically. I think around 2004 or five, you know, definitely a little further down the road, but definitely before the movie came out. I honestly don't remember exactly when I first saw The Firefly, but it it was awesome, and I binge-watched it through the DVD set really fast. It's one of the best sci-fi shows ever, and I think part of that is just because it was canceled so soon. I think most people who've enjoyed that particular series you know, definitely have that on that list of, of things canceled too soon and things gone before they even had a chance, those type of things. I also feel like the fact that it was so brief also is part of the reason people like it so much. I don't know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. H- you know, had it gone seven seasons and then who knows what. I don't know, like, I think 13 episodes and I, th- I think only nine of those aired or something in a movie. It has a different place in people's hearts and minds, so to speak than it may have otherwise. I, I don't know. Like I think Chuck, for example. I loved Chuck when it first started. It almost got canceled, I think, at the end of pretty much every season. It ended up going through five seasons. And to me, it kind of lost its magic after the second season. Going into the third season, it was okay. And I, I actually stopped watching the show in the fourth season. I just kind of got bored with it. And so I feel like that's one of those shows that it could have benefited from going ahead and being canceled while it was still good. Honestly, probably to some degree, Community was the same way. It was a fun show. They did interesting things as the show went along. I think it faced cancellation a few times. It definitely was canceled at one point from NBC, moved over to Yahoo TV or whatever they called that at the time. I think that kind of ended that whole service, pretty much, it seems like, uh, just because of how expensive it was. But that, again, I feel like as it went on, it it, it wasn't as good as it, it started out to be. And so had it been canceled after two or three seasons, it would probably have a better reputation than it has now, even though personally I was still like that um, six seasons in a movie. So they've had the six seasons and we're waiting on that hashtag six seasons in a movie. So I don't know. But Firefly uh, has a fantastic cast. I feel like most of the cast even now, should be more recognizable, more popular, more famous than they really are. Captain Mal Reynolds, Nathan Fillion, he went on to star in Castle, which is probably where most of your normal people would know him from. He and Alan Tudyk have had their web series, Con Men, that's about to be, or already has, I'm not sure which. It went from their YouTube channel, or whatever it was, over to the Sci-Fi channel, apparently, here, either in the recent past or in the near future, I'm not sure which. So that's kind of an interesting turn there. I mean, Alan Tudyk's had a, a cool career, but at the same time, he—I don't—I'm not sure where he is on the Hollywood level of stuff. I don't know. He was in Rogue One, which is cool. He was in Powerless, which I really enjoyed, and it was canceled. He's been in tons of things though. Going all the way back to something like A Knight's Tale, um, Alan Tudyk's done lots of cool things. 
Marina Baccarin has been in things like V. I don't know. That's probably the last thing I really have seen her in. I know she's had other roles and other television properties, movies, and things over the years. In general, the cast is really good. Adam Baldwin, I mentioned Chuck a few minutes ago. You know, he was in that. He was in stuff way back until like Predator Two, all sorts of different things. Independence Day, but just in general, that whole concept it it took that idea of a space adventure and made it more real life, but not in a too boring kind of way. I don't think. I mean, it's definitely low-budget TV stuff, but just having them on the brink, having them do a smuggling job to just make money enough to eat and to have fuel to keep the the ship flying, or the boat, as they called it. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Firefly has influenced our current version of Star Wars, since it's gone from you know, the man who created it to fans who are creating it. Regardless of what they want to say, that's really the case. And I feel like Star Wars Rebels, and particularly early on, drew quite a bit of inspiration from Firefly. And I think that was probably more of an influence, personally, I don't know this, I'm just totally guessing this, from Greg Weissman and maybe Simon Kimberg. I don't know that Dave Filoni necessarily was like, Hey guys, let's make this like Firefly. I don't know that he said that. I feel like that was definitely the case. But again, that show just had interesting characters, interesting side characters, interesting little villains. The very Empire-like alliance. I mean, there's just interesting, interesting things there in that whole um, series. And then going on into the Firefly movie, as it were, Serenity. It had some pretty good stuff. You know, some deaths, as per usual, with any Joss Whedon project. Both of which, I kind of understand. It raises the stakes. Especially, honestly, the second one, out of nowhere, you kind of get the feeling that anyone on that ship could die. As they're kind of in their final little battle. So I think that's effective, even though I don't I don't particularly like the outcome of said movie, um, in particular with that one character. And I don't know why I'm dancing around that, but Wash, he killed Wash. Everybody's favorite, pretty much, probably. It sucked. I mean, it did. It, it wasn't cool. I guess one random bit of news here, since we're talking Joss Whedon properties, apparently, I guess 20th Century Fox, in some form or fashion, is going to reboot Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or at least attempt to. Uh, I would assume in a television format. I would assume that means they're ordering a pilot. I don't know if it's gone anywhere further than that. I heard uh, Steve Glossop mention this on the latest episode of Geek Out Loud. And that was the first I'd, I think I'd heard of that. I haven't looked it up anywhere. But I thought that was kind of unfortunate, honestly. Especially in a situation such as that. When it was his story, his idea, back when the movie came out. and then. People at the studio messed with the movie and kind of screwed it up. He was, five, six years later, was able to to go back in and make a TV show, which is kind of unheard of, I think, in a lot of ways, and make it what he wanted. But being that it is a 20th Century Fox property, it's not Josh Whedon's, even though he was the creator and the you know, mastermind, if you will, if, for lack of a better term behind the project and so 
that's one of the things with George Lucas, we always talk about Star Wars, he was in a position the way that he produced the films, that he owned the rights to the to the franchise. He didn't, and Disney still doesn't own the distribution rights of the first film. But just his, basically the biggest independent movies ever made, is an interesting part of Hollywood history in a lot of ways, especially his own deals and retaining different rights which is interesting because that just doesn't happen anymore. I think the probably the best case scenario for anyone at this point, for the most part, would be to have written books that they then license adaptations for, whereas you still own your property. Well, I guess say that. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't, I guess, depending on what kind of book deal you have. But I'm thinking of someone like J.K. Rowling, who you know owns Harry Potter, for lack of a better term. Even though I'm sure there are, you know, obviously, I guess Penguin, Random House, and whatever other publishing companies are involved in that situation, she's the one who has the ability and the rights, the privilege to make new stories or to allow new stories to be made or not. Where Joss Whedon has no say if they redo Buffy. I mean, he's as out of his control. I honestly do think that's unfortunate if things like that happen. And so I personally feel like for someone like a Whedon, or other creators at this point, it would be better in all sorts of ways to create your own content without the studios, without the networks, without the interference of the executives and their and their three piece suits who don't know anything about creativity in a lot of ways, it seems like. With Whedon, one thing that comes to mind to me at least, is the Doctor Horrible sing along blog that he made several years ago now, I don't know what, seven, eight, nine years ago now during the writer's strike, and then he released that at the time via iTunes, which was kind of a new thing. And that was, you know, before, I think, if I remember correctly, if it wasn't before Netflix streaming, it was right around the same time period that first was introduced. And when Netflix streaming first was introduced, it was a bunch of really bad movies. (laughs) I don't know how many of you are out there looking into that when it was first available, but it was not a good selection. It was nothing like it is now. It was like cheesy horror movies and just, they hear about B-movies. It was like C and D movies. It was just bad movies. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just curious with the way that the entire multimedia thing is headed, just where where creativity will be. I mean, obviously, things like YouTube aren't going to sustain themselves forever. It's going to be another platform. It's going to be something else. Even Netflix. Netflix is huge right now. But just the way the market shifts, that's not going to always be the case. And so I'm I'm really curious to see how in the future more and more content comes in, I guess, in smaller and smaller segmented ways, it seems like. Instead of having a big platform, it's going to be smaller and smaller platforms, it seems like. Even, you know, we talked about this several weeks back with the Disney app and how they want to do that. And everyone else has an app now. CBS has an app. And etc 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 they all want you to pay them and i understand that model but I, as i mentioned before i'm not going to do that you know star trek starts this weekend on cbs on their little app i'm not going to pay for the app i'm just not so i guess i'll watch that many years from now or depending on how long it lasts maybe sooner rather than later who knows anyway i guess that's going to wrap up a very random episode 
of the Random City Podcast. And so until next time, I'll give you all the ways you can get in contact with us and share your memories about any of these things or your thoughts about any of these things. You can email us at randomcitypodcast.gmail.com. You can tweet to us at Random City. Find us over on Instagram at Random City Podcast. You can listen to the show all sorts of different ways in iTunes, Apple Podcast app, the Satchel Player app, in Google Play. And, of course, if you're with Stitcher, you can find us under the Jimmy and Georgia feed, which is also in iTunes. You can go over to randomcitypodcast.com or jimmyandgeorgia.com for more information on either of those two sites. And you can also call in to the show, leave us a voicemail, or send us a text message at 773-71-RANDOM. And so, until next time, this is the Random City Podcast. I'm Jimmy in Georgia. Peace. <laughs>